Thanks for joining us for another edition of Community Matters. I'm Richard Pyatt. Show is made possible by Lakeview Ford Lincoln in downtown Battle Creek. You hear us here on 95.3 WBCK on Saturday mornings and anytime at battlecreekpodcast.com. We're chatting with Daniel Jones, Executive Director at the Haven of Rest in Battle Creek. Daniel, boy, it's been a long time since we've chatted. It's nice to see you. It has been a minute, Richard. It's great to see you as well. Thanks. So let's uh, just get a sense since, you know, there's been a few years since we've chatted. uh, Talk about what you've been through and the folks with whom you work and serve there's been a trajectory. You look back on the last five or six years and you say, yeah, here's where we've been. You know, the Haven of Rest continues to serve our homeless population here in Calhoun County, providing emergency shelter services, as well as food and in some instances, clothing and certainly case management for the folks that we serve, uh, men, women, and children going through the crisis of homelessness. So mm-hmm. from that aspect, we're still doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing and have done for 66 years here in Battle Creek. But last couple of years, especially during the pandemic, we've seen some real, I want to say evolution of the population we serve, of the unsheltered folks within the pandemic time period. And that's, you know, when you think about evolving over two years time period, it's very quick. And this is kind of my opinion of what I've seen here the last couple of years. I think the homeless population we serve has separated or stratified itself into three different tiers. Okay. And I'm not trying to rank anybody or, or, you know, create a system of grading or anything. It's just three separate camps that we can see that we are serving. The first tier is probably the easiest to serve, and that's folks who are highly functional, have employment, income, have situations that maybe they're just in our shelters or arriving in an unsheltered situation just by happenstance. Something bad happened, transmission dropped out of their car, something that's really manageable. And there are no barriers to reentry into housing for these folks. They can be in and out of our shelter with the resources that have come through various channels for COVID relief. They can be in and out of our shelters in a matter of weeks. Very, very low barriers to being rehoused. And so that's one camp that we've been able to serve very quickly. Second camp are folks who kind of choose a lifestyle of being unsheltered. They would rather take our services. And when, you know, we reach the end of a 60 or 90 days and, and we don't see any progress and nobody really doing anything, we encourage somebody to move on and do something at some other shelter. And, and so they do. They find another shelter to go to and kind of step between shelters or they choose that lifestyle living on the street. Very, very chronic kind of a condition of being homeless. And that's fine for them. They're fine with that as long as they can have a meal and some assistance in some way, shape or form. They're fine with that lifestyle and they just don't want to be confined or you know, have somebody tell them what to do or anything like that. Hmm. That is a very distinct camp as well. And there's some mental health challenges with that group. There could be some background of criminal history or anything like that, or maybe even a little substance abuse. It's, it's not ceasing to be functional. They've chosen a lifestyle that that's what they want to do. Uh-huh. That group is doing really, really good in this environment because of all the assistance that's available. And and I say they're doing good. They're doing as good as they want to. They just haven't made the choice yet to make some serious positive changes. So they're doing what they want day in and day out. The third tier, this, this third group, is really the hardcore chronic homeless that have some really severe barriers to being rehoused. Like 
evictions, no credit history, bad credit history, criminal convictions, substance abuse instances, or you know, real chronic substance abuse, mental health challenges, all combined together in this brew of really high barriers to being rehoused. And it's with this group that we are working the most intensely. With. Mm-hmm. This is the group that's in our shelters now. And again, looking at all of these barriers, each one is something we have to kind of hold hands through, even getting the first steps made. And it takes a lot of time. It's an intensive workload. I've trained all of my staff in what we call mental health first aid to really help them understand and de-escalate situations. If somebody with a mental health challenge is becoming unruly or very difficult to deal with or whatever. Uh Yeah, My staff has been trained to, to deal with that. And so that's the third tier. It's this really high barrier to being rehoused group that needs a lot of intense work. And that's who's in our shelters now. The backside of that is we've seen people stay in our shelters longer and we've extended visits with us if folks are making progress, however slow it is, you know, up to six months in some cases. And that's a long, long time for an emergency shelter to be serving someone. But that's what it's taking. That's a long story of what's happened in the last couple of years, Richard. So well, there you go. Boy, uh, Daniel, I have to tell you, you are the first person, especially in the position you're in, that I've heard discuss these categories. And in particular, a category of folks with whom you deal who are not motivated to change it. They have it within their capability, I think is what you're saying but they're not, they're comfortable somehow with the situation they're in. That makes it sound like, boy, you're going to be seeing them for a long time. Yes and no. I mean, we can help them. And when they are ready to change, we're on a first name basis already. So let's do this. You know, we're excited and happy for them. And they see that we're willing to help, that we're right there for them. Beyond that, what you can do is just not enable a lot of bad behavior a lot of unhealthy behavior. You have to be very careful and walk that line. We know the games. We know the tricks. We know the whatever you want to call it. And we're just not going to enable a lot of bad behavior. We'll help. Absolutely. And that's open arms. Yeah. Uh, but we're not going to enable some folks. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense. Let me ask you this. When you talk about this category of people who uh, are not yet motivated to change their lives and they're accepting the help that you're offering, does that affect people who are inclined to donate by saying, yeah, these are people who don't want to be helped or they're just with their hand out. And then that makes them feel differently about making a donation to help you. Do do you see that? I don't think so. I think. Good. I think it's understood that it's going to take time for somebody who's determined to live on the street or determined to live in one way or the other. We don't have any right to come in and dictate how somebody's life is going to go. But what we're offering is a real warm place, uh, a welcome place, a meal, you know, and all of that in a Christ-centered, faith-based way. We're asked to do that. The change is going to come from somebody from the inside when they respond to a kindness or us giving them dignity or, you know, the things that we provide on a day-to-day basis. The change is going to come from them responding to that. And that takes time. You can't just do that in 10 seconds or a minute or even, you know, sometimes weeks or months. 
but we do see the change being created. That's one of the things that's remained the same here at the Haven over the last couple of years, Richard, is the change comes when people are ready and we are meeting them right in that place, which is a holy place. I've always said that meeting somebody in the place where they want to create change in their life, that's, mm -hmm. that's a beautiful place. Um, even if it's the lowest point in their life, we're right there with an open hand, willing and able to extend to them that open hand and say, hey, we, you know, we love you just like Christ loves all of us. This is the opportunity you've been looking for. Let's do this. And we're happy to provide all the help we can at that point. That's what people are funding at the Haven. Yeah. People understanding that there are folks out there who aren't ready to make that leap yet. They will be. They will be. It just takes time. Let's talk about how you're able to stretch what you get. We hear so much about inflation and the difficult uh, situations in which uh, we find ourselves in terms of finances and so on. Is sure. that more of a struggle for you now as you look at the current situation? There's been a lot of changes in the way shelters are funded over the last couple of years, especially through COVID. Um, we were seen as, as very much first responders. Much like the police and the fire department, you know, we can't shut our doors. So we were on staff 24-7. I've seen some really great opportunities come to shelters and to the Haven just as a result of this COVID funding the last couple of years. And mm. America Recovery Projects and all these great opportunities. So funding, well, it's still a challenge. And I, my biggest challenge is paying the staff enough because of inflation. Yeah. And catching up to, you know, minimum wage increases to $15 an hour. We're running in place as far as we can to, to get that met and that challenge met. But uh, stretching the dollar, you know, the good Lord takes care of us here. And donors have come through the door when we needed them. There's always a shortfall and we can always do more. But we have grown during the pandemic. We've actually grown the services we offer. We've grown in budget annually, mm -hmm. um, all in good ways and to extend our ministries into the population we're serving. And just to put it like a period at the end of the sentence about how we changed, it was well over two years ago, I want to say in 2020, the first 11 months of the pandemic, the Haven of Rest actually registered with the state of Michigan as a laboratory so that we could do our own COVID tests when somebody walks in the door. That was innovative and incredible because the previous strategy was just bring somebody in, send them off to the hospital for a test and then hope for the next 48 hours that they're not positive oh because they're you know in our shelters. And let's yeah. just cross our fingers. Good luck is not a strategy. So we registered as a laboratory and started administering our own 15-minute tests. And that changed the game to create safety in our shelters. We found some folks who didn't know they were positive, that were asymptomatic, and we sent them off to get help, mm -hmm. you know, quarantined everybody else. And we've We've done very, very well at being very agile. So that's the period at the end of that sentence of how we've changed. So as you look at 2023, how are you feeling about that? And and uh, are there specific challenges or goals that you're seeing in front of you for next year? When we look at 2023 and our opportunities, I've got some new people in our life recovery programs that are leading both ministries there, the men's and the women's life recovery programs. Uh, those are 12-month substance abuse treatment programs that do some incredible work. The men's program, you'll see guys coming through that are brand new men when they graduate. And the women's program is serving women and children. Just incredible results and reuniting families and, and mothers with children that may have been taken away because of substance abuse issues. 
So incredible growth opportunities in both of those areas. And we're going to be partnering up, you know, several of our local advocates and mental health community uh, service providers. Uh, we partner with Safe Place and the Food Bank and a charitable union and, and all these great partners that immediately can meet the needs that people have. As we've evolved these last couple of years, everybody has everybody's cell phone now right at the top levels, and you can call and get exactly what you need when you need it. We've evolved into a much more agile, faster ministry that does things so quickly now. It's impressive and it's wonderful because the people benefit that we serve. Right. Um, uh, can we build a building yet? I'm working on a capital campaign and I would love to have a brand new kitchen to serve the almost 80,000 meals a year that we serve and prepare them. And you've seen our kitchen before. It's kind of mm-hmm. a tiny place. So 80,000 meals a year coming out of that place. It's a miracle in itself. Right. So yeah, we've got some growth plans and we'll we'll pursue those very actively. And, and yeah, we've had the opportunity to apply for a lot of different money sources uh, that are new to us too. So yeah, great growth plans. Well, congratulations on the progress you've been able to make and the agility that you've discovered uh, amidst adversity that, of course, you're already dealing with adverse conditions. And here's some more, you know, pile some more on top of that. And and you've been able to help people in spite of that. So congratulations. And uh, if you would like to make a donation to The Haven, the link is in the show notes. If you're hearing this over battlecreekpodcast.com, or you can go there and find it. Of course, on Green Street in Battle Creek is where The Haven is. You can stop by and offer a donation the old-fashioned way by handing it right over if you'd like to. And Daniel and the crew would be happy to see you. Daniel, we'll check in again. Hey, thank you very much. We're going to keep doing what we do. 